Give it up for all our daddies, all our dads, all our fathers out there. All you daddies, stand up. Let us see you. Let us see all the dads today. All right. Granddads, papa, whatever they call you. God bless you men. We love you and thank you for being in the house of God today and leading your family to church. What about that choir? Man. For those of you who have not met the first lady of Whitley Church, my beloved wife, that was her singing the solo part. And um, uh, that's why I, I fell in love with her. I saw her sing. And I just said, I got to have that woman. And then we woke up the first morning and I saw her without her makeup. And I said, Baby, you need to sing right now. Sing something. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to pay. I know I'm going to pay for it. I know. And he had no Father's Day present for me. You're right. Uh, guys, don't forget about this. I want to just remind you, a lot of you asked me about uh, good Bible study material. This is excellent, excellent. Scott Smith, remember the sermon, uh, Hold On to the Rope, Don't Let Go of the Rope? Remember that sermon about a year ago? Scott's coming back in just a few weeks, about three weeks. He'll be here, uh, three or four weeks, to preach to us again. Uh, this is a um, kit that he put together. It has uh, CDs that there's some audio teaching, but it teaches you how to study the Bible. It's called Dig It, and it is a step-by-step guide for consistent and easily uncovering life-changing insight from the Scripture. They're available in the foyer. And also, guys, we have a gift for you, all the dads, and I think we've probably got enough for every man to get one. Um, let's let the dads get them today, and then what's left over, uh, you other guys can pick these up next week. I'm, I'm almost sure we got enough, but, but let's let, make sure the dads get served today. It is, a, um, it is a DVD of three, four sermons to dads. And they are very powerful, powerful messages called Man Code. And so, uh, ladies, if he don't get that, you get that. Make sure he looks at it, all right? If he doesn't look at it, you let me know, all right? Um, we're going to get in the Word of God today. We're in a series of messages on the topic of prayer. We are calling it Open Skies, Open Skies, because of what Jesus did on the cross Coming forth out of the grave, we can come directly to God in prayer. There's nothing between us and him. We can talk directly to him, and that is not a duty. Uh, prayer is not a duty. It's a privilege. It's a privilege we have as the children of God. We are going to uh, talk about that in more detail in just a minute. Last week, we reminded you that Christians uh, do without a lot of things. They uh, do... Uh, uh, a lot of things that deprive them of having God's best in their life. They do without God's best because of things we do, uh, but also because of things we don't do. And probably the thing that we don't do that keeps us from God's best in our life more than any other thing is prayerlessness, not praying. 
And we got into that last week when we talked about the power of prayer. You remember last week's message? And if you didn't get to hear that, you can go online and uh, hear that message uh, absolutely for no charge. Just go on our website, either website, bridgechurch.cc or whitleychurch.com. For those of you who don't know, we're one church with two locations. We have a location also in Goldsboro. And uh, we have a website there, bridgechurch.cc. And uh, we do the same service there on Thursday night that we do here on Saturday night. We had a service last night, awesome service. And uh, now we're doing the same services here today. So we offer four worship services. If you're going out to the beach on the weekend, you get to go to church on Thursday night before you go to the beach. Let me tell you that this past Thursday night was incredible. Uh, it was packed out. We actually had to seat people in the foyer, and they had to watch the service on the flat screen uh, TVs at our other campus. So we praise God for what's happening at the bridge, and the people said. But last week, we talked about the power of prayer, and we said about that, that it's the, it's the way God blesses you. Prayer is how God blesses you. Prayer is how God gives you joy, and prayer is how God cures worry in your life. So how many of you think that's relevant right there to our lives? So if you didn't get to hear that message, I hope you will uh, uh, hear that online, okay? What we want to talk about today is not the power of prayer, but this time we're going to talk about the path, the path of prayer. Not only do we pray to an omnipotent Father, and the word omnipotent, of course, you know, means all-powerful, three things about God, Omnipotent means all-powerful, omniscient means all-knowing, and omnipresent means everywhere all the time. And that describes our God, omnipotent, all-power, there's no power above his, omniscient, he knows everything. And a lot of people go, well, I'm not going to say that to God in prayer because I'm kind of, he already knows about it. So he knows everything, so you spring it, you spring it to God. And uh, you get real with God, you get honest, open before him, because he already knows, because he's omniscient. But he's also um, omnipresent, and that is there is nowhere God is not. There is nowhere God is not. God is everywhere, all the time, okay? So we pray to this omnipotent Father, we pray to this omniscient Father, we pray to this omnipresent Father, but we pray to the Father through the Son, through the Son. That's the path of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean every time you pray, you have to say, I come to you, Father, through your Son, Jesus. I actually do say that sometimes when I pray, not to let him know, he already knows, but to remind myself how that I have access to God. Listen, you have access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. Because of what Jesus did, you get to come directly to the Father. So we pray to the Father, through a loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to John 16, 24. We talked about this verse last week, but we focused on the last part of the verse that had to do with joy. This week, we're going to focus on the first part of the verse, John 16, 24, where he talks about asking in his name. He says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And Jesus is speaking to us here about the path of prayer. If you want your prayer to get to heaven, you have to send it to heaven through the Savior. You have to understand that. That's how we have access to God. 1 Timothy 2 and 5 gives us even more detail about that. 1 Timothy 2 and 5, if you don't know where that is in your Bible, it's right before 
Second Timothy, exactly. Okay. I know that helps some of y'all. I mean, it helped you. First uh, Timothy 2 and 5, then some of y'all will get that joke going home evidently. All right. For there is one God and one what? Mediator between God and man, and that mediator is the man Christ Jesus. See the clarity of that right there in the scriptures? So what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? That's what we're actually going to talk about today, what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Look what he said, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Now most of us end our prayers with in the name of Jesus, amen, or something like that. I mean, I do that all the time. If you come up to the altar today and you want me to pray for you, and by the way, after all of our worship services, the altar is open. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm really happy about going to a church that God attends to, aren't you? Have, have y'all sensed God here today? I, I tell you, uh, Pastor Matt brought it. His uh, team brought it in worship today, didn't they? And uh, I, I hope you'll reach out to God because he is here. He is with us. He is in the house today, and I hope you will reach out to him. So the altars are always open after service for you to come, and we will pray for you, and there will be people up here to pray for you. We don't want you to ever, after a message, just turn around and go home, you know, with a longing, with a, with a desire in your heart. You come, and let's pray, and let's pray through uh, before you leave uh, and go home. You're welcome to do that. Now, getting back to what we were talking about, in the name of Jesus, you will hear me say that today if you come up and ask me to pray for you. I, I say it in my prayers. However, that's not what it means when the Bible says that we are praying in the name of Jesus. When we pray in the name of Jesus, it does not mean putting in your prayers somewhere or ending your prayers with in the name of Jesus, amen. As a matter of fact, something that's very interesting is that you will not find one prayer in the Bible that closes with in the name of Jesus, amen. Not one prayer. Nowhere did Paul pray that way or any other person in the Bible ever pray that way. Now, it's not wrong. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I just don't want you to misunderstand and think that just because you say in Jesus' name, amen, that that means you're praying in the name of Jesus. And we're going to talk about what it means today. As a matter of fact, really, if you study your Bible closely, the first Christians, including many who actually knew Jesus in the flesh, did not believe that Jesus even wanted them to mention his name at the end of their prayers. You remember a lot of times Jesus would say, go and tell no one uh, about what has happened. So, so what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? You guys ready? All right, here we go. Number one, it means to pray as his child. To pray as his child. Now, if you're not a child of God today, uh, you say, oh, I thought we were all children of God. No, we're not. We are born orphans. We're born into this world orphans. We are born without a father. God wants to be our father, but we have to be adopted into the family. The way we're adopted into the family is through Jesus, the Son. So if you have not come to Jesus, if you have not recognized that you're cut off from God and you haven't come to Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and thank you for rising from the dead and I give my life to you this day. I want you to take over my life, cleanse my sins and move in to me. Remember we talked last week about the spirit part of man and how that's God's place, that's where he comes in. That's the door to your life. We talked about a, a, a throne, you know, that's in there. 
And you can put other things on that throne, but that throne rightfully belongs to one person, and that is Jesus Christ. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you to do that today before you leave this service. We will pray with you. We will meet you here. Nobody's going to, you know, freak you out. (laughs) We just want you to come and say, you know, I want Jesus in my life. We will pray with you. In reality, you don't even have to do that. In reality, right there where you're sitting right now at this very moment, you can say, I've gone as far as I'm going without Jesus in my life. I want you in my life, Lord Jesus. And he will take you up on that. He will come into your heart, and you will be what the Bible calls born again or saved. How many of you have experienced that? You just want to raise your hand and thank God for that today. Amen, amen. So, we, we, when we say that we're coming to God in the name of Jesus, that means we're coming to him as a child of God. So we get to a very controversial question, don't we? And that controversial question is, does God hear the prayers of unbelievers? Does God receive the prayers of unbelievers? Now, we know there's one prayer God receives from the unbeliever, and that is the one I just talked about where we invite Jesus into our life to become our Lord and Savior. But does God answer the prayers of somebody who goes, you know, I don't really want you in my life. I don't want you controlling my life. I don't want you to take over my life. But I do have some favors I'd like for you to do for me. Does God answer a prayer like that? Well, um, I'm going to give you some information today and let you make up your own mind. How about that? Fair enough? We're going to give you, now now what I'm going to give you guys, you're not going to be able to write down. Now you're going to be tempted to write it down, but you can't. So I'm going to give you my email address. Right there it is. Look at that, Farrell at WhitleyChurch.com. So if you want these notes, you just send me an email, and I'll send you these notes. So don't worry about writing them down. Don't worry about copying it down. And I actually had somebody come up to me and say they are not on the Internet. I was just stunned. I was just stunned. So if you're not on the Internet and you're not online, as they say, uh, first of all, get with it. Secondly... Secondly, <laughs> secondly, we will print a copy for you. I'll, I'll make some printed copies, and I'll put them out at the Connect Center, and you can get those uh, just $10 a piece. Okay, no, they're free. They're free. All right. You say, yeah, I've seen your notes. They ought to be free. Okay. Um, does God answer an unbeliever's uh, prayers? Let me, let me say this. Let me just cover what I'm about to say with this statement. God's sovereign and he can do anything he wants to. Amen? Now, the only way I know God, and, and the only way I know about God, and the only way I understand the character of God, and the only way I understand the compassion of God, and the mercy of God, and the kindness of God, and the only way I have any idea of anything about God is I have to look in his word. So we're going to look in the Bible very quickly, and don't get nervous, but I'm going to give you 14 things. Uh, They laughed nervously. Um, Scripture clearly indicates that God does not listen to or answer every prayer that is sent up to him. Um, Scripture gives at least 14 reasons, and you may find more. I found 14 uh, for unanswered prayer. Let me give them to you real quick. And, uh, And again, I'll send you these, so don't try to write it down. First of all, God will not answer a prayer that is self-centered in its motive. 
God will not answer a prayer that is self-centered in its motive, James 4 and 3. Number two, God will not answer a prayer of a person who has sin in their life and refuses to repent of that sin, even though he has brought conviction, even though he's brought revelation in their life that they are living in sin and holding on to that sin and will not repent of it. Uh, the Bible teaches in Psalm 66, 18, Isaiah 59, 2, and John 9, 31, that if you refuse to repent, God is not going to hear your prayer until you repent of that sin. And the people said, now we know that this is mostly for the second crowd. I know. So y'all work with me here, all right? Number three, the Bible teaches us in Malachi 1, 7, and 8 that God will not hear a prayer when we offer unworthy service to God. Now, I know that's a little cloudy right there. I didn't know another way to say that, but look in Malachi 1, 7, 8. Also, a, a biblical illustration that you can uh, just, I just thought about was um, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought, both brought offerings to God. One was accepted because it was by God's instruction. Amen. Y'all remember this? And then Cain, Abel brought one, got accepted, uh, uh, a flesh sacrifice, blood was involved. Uh, Abel, uh, Cain brought, um, Abel brought the good sacrifice, Cain brought uh, um, like, like stuff from his farm, you know, uh, weed and things of that nature. And I haven't read that story in a while, so go read it and make sure I'm right about that. But um, uh, when you offer unworthy service to God. By the way, you guys do know what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, don't you? They raised Cain. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Number four. Uh, another, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 14, 10 through 12, that God will not answer those who forsake him. Those who forsake him. Jeremiah talks about they have loved to wonder they have not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. And he goes on in Jeremiah 14. Another one, and this one really hits home. All of them hit home, but this one I want you to really think about. Um, God doesn't answer people's prayers if he's put a call on their life and they won't fulfill their call. That's huge right there. Because guess how many people in here have a call on their life? Every human being in this room has a call on your life. Sometimes we won't fulfill that call because we're lazy. Sometimes we won't fulfill that call because we got other things we'd rather do. Sometimes we won't fulfill that call because we tried to fulfill it one time and somebody hurt our feelings. So we said, I'll never stick my finger out there again to get hit with that hammer. Amen? God says you got to come on back. you got to fulfill your call. If he, says, he says if you don't in Proverbs 1, 24 and 25, and Proverbs 1, 28, he says, I will not answer you. You'll seek me diligently, but you won't find me. That's, that's powerful language right there. How many of y'all know God don't mess around? He loves you. He loves you, but you are on this earth for a purpose. You have a purpose to fulfill. You are not just some random person born. God knew you, Jeremiah says, before you were ever formed in your mother. He knew you. There's a purpose. 
Number six, uh, he will uh, not answer the prayer of those who will not heed his law. In other words, you uh, turn away from hearing the word of God. Um, he says even their prayer is an abomination, and that's in uh, Proverbs 28, 9. Number seven, also Zechariah 7, 11 through 13. Uh, number seven, um, if you turn a deaf ear to the cry of the poor, God won't hear your prayers. Proverbs 21, 13. God will not hear your prayers. It tells us in Isaiah 1, 15 and Isaiah 59, 2 through 3 that he will not hear the prayers of those who are violent. Violent. Now, do, do we have people in our world today doing things in the name of God, doing violence in the name of God? See, that shows right there that you, you don't do ever violence in the name of God. You never do violence in the name of God. Okay? Nobody. The, the, you know, we talk about the liberals who are all about uh, doing violence. We talk about other religions that are all about doing violence. And we talk about the abortionists. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got them on our side too, on the conservative side, that, that justify doing violence in abortion clinics and all of this kind of stuff. The Bible says that's God's business. Y'all with me out there? That's not our business. God will handle that. Uh, the, another reason God doesn't answer prayer is uh, if you worship idols. If you worship idols, you say, whew, no Buddhas in my house. So I got that one. But you can worship a Camaro, especially that new one. That, have y'all seen the new one? <laughs> Sweet. Easy to worship. <clears throat> That's why I drive an old Lexus. It's old. It's old. <laughs> we, how many of you know we can worship stuff that we can worship power? We can worship prestige. We can worship position. It doesn't have to be a thing. It can be a, it can be a, a prideful sense that you worship. Amen, amen. Jeremiah 11, Ezekiel 8. Let me hurry up. Number 10. Uh, if you don't have faith, God will not answer your prayer. You've got to believe, have faith. That's in James 1. Uh, he will not answer the prayers of those who live in hypocrisy. And some of these kind of overlap a little bit, but I just found these very clear verses. Uh, Luke 12 and 1 tells us that. He won't, he won't um, hear your prayers if you're proud, uh, if you're arrogant. In James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5. He won't hear your prayers if you're self-righteous, self-righteous, self-righteous people. He will not hear your prayers if you mistreat God's people. If you mistreat God's people, he will not hear your prayers, Psalm 18. Micah chapter 3 tells us that. So does God answer the prayers of unbelievers? I got to tell you. A strict yes or no answer is really difficult to give on that without qualifying it. Um, when you, if you were to say yes, you'd need to say some other stuff. If you say no, you need to add some other information. Um, I think it is noteworthy, though, that if you study all of these verses that I just gave out to you, that they are key characteristics of an unbeliever. So um, I think we can say in general that God wants to hear one prayer from an unbeliever, and that is, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life, okay? So that's something for you to chew on and think about and pray about, and if you don't agree with me now, you just come up after the service, and I'll forgive you.
All right. Now, let's look at what it means to pray as, uh, in the name of Jesus. First of all, it means to pray as his child. So the, if you want to pray in Jesus' name, which is very, very important, the first thing you need to do is give your life to him. Give your life to him. The second thing I want you to notice is uh, when you pray in the name of Jesus, you are praying with his authority. You're praying with his authority. Let me give you an example. Um, this is very rare for me to do something like this, but from time to time, I've gone down to the builder supply place. Very rare. Very rare for me. Because <laughs> I don't know how to nail two boards together. I'm telling you right now. Or at least I pretend I don't. Millie's good, though. She's good at it. So, I go down there and I tell the guys I want, I tell the guy in the office that I want 10 two-by-fours. 10 12-foot two-by-fours. Is there such a thing as that? All right, good. So I go in there and tell him I want that. He takes my money, fills out a form, and signs his name on that form. Then he gives me that form, and I walk out to the lumber yard where there is another guy, and I've got the paper in my pocket, and I forget about that, and I go, I need 12 two-by-fours just paid the guy inside. You know what that guy's going to do in the lumber yard? He's going to go, Where's the paper? Oh, the paper. And I give it to him, and the first thing he does is he looks to see if the guy in there has his name on that piece of paper. So when I come to the guy with the piece of paper, it's like offering a prayer in a sense. And when the guy that handles the two-by-fours when he sees the name of the other guy behind the desk signed on the order form, because his name is on there, because he has approved it, y'all with me? Because he has confirmed it, then I get my prayer answered. I get what I came there for. Don't just walk up, but you come in the name of the one who has the authority to release those materials. So when you pray, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, but when you pray, you want to make sure that what you're praying for has been confirmed by Jesus, has been affirmed. We're going to talk, well, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about a misuse of authority. We got any law enforcement people here today? Just raise your hand, let me see you. Law enforcement. Let's give it up for law enforcement. Thank God for them. Anybody running from the law? Anybody? Okay. All right. Well, if you are, we're happy you're here. You're probably going to get the guy who raised his hand back. He's probably going to see you and take care of you. But still, uh, he'll let you get saved before you leave. All right. So um, I, we want people to come that have broken lives, don't we? I, huh? Boy, that was quiet. Are we just a bunch of broken people and we're all coming together to seek God who heals broken people? Amen, amen. Matter of fact, you really know you're reaching lost people when you smell a little weed in the audience once in a while at a church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, this is where they need to be. I know somebody is sitting right beside somebody they've invited to church today going, he ain't always like this. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's... And I know we laugh at that, but if, a, if somebody, they need to be here. 
I mean, they might come in going, what's up, man? Where's those snacks? You know, I heard y'all got snacks. You know. Okay, I'm done. All right. Some chips. Um, suppose uh, you're a policeman, and your grass is about eight inches high, and you wish it was like two inches high, but it's and you don't have a lawnmower, so you put on your uniform, put on your badge, go to your neighbor's house and go, I came over here to borrow your John Deere in the name of the law. <laughs> that is a misuse of authority, isn't it? I mean, I, I know people who teach. Have you heard some of these preachers that make it sound like you can just kind of go and lay your hands on something and go, I claim this right here. I just claim it in the name of Jesus. Claim it. And uh, you can have it. You know, these name it, claim it, frame it people. I kind of got into that teaching one time. I was listening to it and thinking, well, I'm going to at least give it a try. I went down to the car lot, <laughs> found a car I wanted, put my hands on it, said, in the name of Jesus, I want this car. And the salesman was happy. He said, glory, hallelujah, amen, come in my office. <laughs> and I got the car. But I got, to go along with it, a coupon book. Looked like a little Sears and Roebuck catalog. You remember that when we used to have to tear the little coupons out and make our car payment? My point is that people often try to superimpose the name of Jesus on things that he hasn't confirmed. He hasn't affirmed. Let me give you one of the, this, I'm about to read to you the funniest story in the Bible, in my opinion. It is hilarious. I, I just want to thank Jesus right now for putting it in there. I mean, Jesus, God could have left this story out. He put it in there just for the comedic effect and also to teach us a principle. Acts 19, 13 through 16. Look what it says. A team of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. Um. They tried to use, a, a team of Jews who were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. Their incantation or the incantation they used was this. I command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. These were the seven sons of Sceva, and Sceva was a leading priest and these who were the ones who were doing this. But when they tried it on a man possessed by an evil spirit, the spirit replied, this is hilarious, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> now, let me just say that if you ever are exercising somebody <laughs> and they say, I know Paul. I know Jesus, but who are you? You need to run. <laughs> run. Because look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Oh. Who are you? Next verse. All right. It ain't up there. All right. Let me give you the next verse. And he leaped on them 
The guy that had the demon leaped on them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and badly wounded. (laughs) Naked. That's funny. In the name of Jesus, come out. That is hilarious. So you need need to be really careful about going around saying, in the name of Jesus. Because you might go running, you know. (laughs) Y'all know the difference in naked and naked. Naked means you ain't got no clothes on. Naked means you ain't got no clothes on and you up to something. All right? I can hear that person right now. I'm telling you, he ain't always like this. He's on some kind of medication. His wife was telling us. Come out. Let him come out, Jim. Be free, brother. So the path of prayer is to the Father through the Son. Listen, listen now. We've had some fun here, but get this. We pray for things He's approved. We pray for things He has approved. How do I know what He approved? Read your Bible. See, we want to bypass the Bible. And we just want to go around claiming stuff and praying for stuff and believing God for stuff. And then we want to come up after the sermon and we want to cry because we've been praying for something and God isn't getting it. And I love these people who come up and challenge me after I preach the sermon and go, I'm telling you right now, I've done everything you said and it ain't happening for me. Well, dude, God don't lie. Something's whacked somewhere. Isn't that right? Has he approved it? You got to pray in his authority, and the only way you can do that is to know he has approved it. Now, listen, when you have the authority of Jesus and you are praying for what he has affirmed and confirmed and approved, then all heaven and earth and hell beneath will bow to the name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. Now, let's, let's look at one verse. Um, that people get all mixed up. Psalm 37, 4, because people come up to me and use this on me all the time. You know, Pastor, the Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and, and uh, he will give you the desires of your heart, and he hasn't been giving me the desires of my heart. Well, did you read the first part? Because they never want to focus on the first part. Mm, wow, I don't know what that word was he's about to say right there. Uh, they never want to focus on the first part. Delight yourself also in the Lord. When you study that phrase, delight yourself also in the Lord, here's what it means. Delight yourself also in what the Lord approves. Delight yourself in the things the Lord approves. Then your desires will be his desires. So when you delight yourself in the things he approves, here's the problem. We're laughing at stuff that makes Jesus cry. 
we're, 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 not, we're not moved or brokenhearted over things that break his heart. We're, we're not in line with him. So we start praying for stuff, and then it doesn't happen for us, and we're sitting around whining and crying, because, but, but you, it can't be all about you. We're going to get deeper into that in just a moment. Look, look what Psalm 37, 4 says, and this isn't going to be on the screen, but just listen. Psalm 37, 4 in the New English Version, listen to this, or, or today's English Version. Seek your happiness in the Lord. Don't seek your happiness in the stuff. I have people come up to me. My marriage is falling apart. I just want God to help me in my marriage. I say, well, man, you got to get right with God, and she's got to get right with God. Because, see, if you're here and she's here and God's there, then the closer y'all get to God, look what happens to the two of you. Amen? You get closer together, closer you get to him. So you tell them that, and they're like, oh, God, you know, help me. And then they get their marriage back together and get what they want. And I look around and go, where are they at now? Because, see, they didn't really want God. They just wanted a problem fixed. People come, I don't have a job, you know, and I understand that, man. Look, my heart goes out to you. I've been without a job before, didn't know where the next money was coming from. I know how that feels too. But you've got to love him more than the provision. And this is what happens in so many counseling sessions we get in here at the church. So many people that won't help, and we help them, and we want to help them with their problem, and we go, and, and we're trying to get them to see, you've got to delight in him first, then he will give you the desires of your heart. And I, okay, 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 I delight in him. What about the desire of my heart? What about that? What about that? See, they're not putting the emphasis in the right place. Are y'all getting this? It's in him. You delight in him. You delight in him. You find your joy in him. You find your happiness. Here, here's what you, if your marriage is falling apart, set yourself that whether the marriage ever makes it or not, you're going with God. And when you set yourself that you're going to go with God, no matter whether the marriage makes it or not, no matter whether you get that promotion or not, no matter whether you get that job next week that you've got that interview for or not, you're going to set yourself on God and you're going to stay there no matter what happens around you. That's when you are delighting in him. But then he says, if you do that genuinely, then you're going to get answers to your prayers. Am I making any sense? Let me give you the third thing. Preaching too long today. Praying in the name of Jesus also means praying in his righteousness. You have to understand that when you come to God in prayer, when you come before God, it is not in your righteousness. It's not because you have any claim upon God. You, you don't come to God in prayer like you've got some claim upon him. I've heard preachers preach. Just take the Bible and go, hey, God, you said that, you said that, you got, man, I don't talk to God like that. He knows what he said. He knows what he said. You don't come to God like you got some claim on him and you can back him up in a corner and go, you know, right there it is. That's arrogant. So, so God wants you to understand that you come in the righteousness of Jesus. Now, the only way you can come in the righteousness of Jesus is if you are a believer and have received Jesus because here's what happens when you're born again. Here's what happens when you get saved. And I know I'm using some Christianese right there, but when you become a, a true disciple, a true follower of Christ, and you walk up to the altar or right there in your seat or riding down the road in your car or laying in the bed at your home or kneeling by the bed or you can go in the bathroom and kneel by the great white throne. It doesn't matter. God will hear you wherever you cry out to him. 
and you say, I want to give you my life, and you get adopted into the family, here's what happens. Listen carefully. He imparts to you his righteousness, because there's only one level of righteousness that can get into heaven, and it's Jesus' righteousness. Because your righteousness is as, that's the best you can do. So we got to have a different righteousness than we can come up with, or we're never going to get into heaven. So you come to Jesus, and he, you understand? It's a gift. It's the gift of salvation. And he gives you this gift and covers you in his righteousness so that when you approach the Father, he doesn't see your righteousness because if he saw yours, he would send you away. He sees the righteousness of his Son. That's why when Jesus was on the cross and he said, It is finished. The veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was ripped apart. Now, you've got to understand a little bit about the Old Testament tabernacle back there. The, um, the only people who could go into the holy of holies where the presence of God was, Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God was, were priests who had been through all kinds of ritual and all kinds of ceremony and all kinds of cleansing. All it's laid out in Leviticus. It's laid out in the Old Testament. And, and, and even after a priest had gone through all that, when he would go into the Holy of Holies, which was once a year when he would go into there, they didn't really fully trust him because they tied a rope on his ankle. Because if you went into the Holy of Holies and you weren't fully cleansed, fully obedient to what God said it required for you to go in there, then you died instantly. And they knew they weren't going in to get him if he died, so they tied a rope around his foot to drag him out, you know. So that's how hard it was to get into the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, that veil that separated the regular people like us from going in was ripped as a symbol of now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his death on the cross, now the Holy of Holies has been opened up to everybody. It's been opened up to all of us. Listen. It says in the writings of Peter, now you are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. I've always known that. But anyway, you, you can go in. How, how have we been invited? We've, in, we've been invited to come how? Boldly into the throne room. The invitation's right there in the Bible. Come boldly. How can we come boldly? You say, Pastor, I, I'm not perfect. No, but what you're covered in is. Y'all with me? When you were saved, you were covered in the righteousness of Jesus. It isn't your righteousness that gives you the right to come. A lot of you won't pray because you think you're not worthy to pray. I got good news for you. You're not. But when you're covered in the, in the righteousness of Jesus, you can come boldly into the throne. So much to preach here. So much to preach. Um, when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray as his representative. Remember, remember when I would go in to get that lumber from the lumberyard guy? I would come and I would say, I have the approval. We come representing him. Now listen to this. Listen. When we pray, 
We are to pray the things that reflect the values of God. We are to pray for the things that reflect the vision of God. What are God's values? See, you might be asking for something that God, ha- God doesn't value. You say, yeah, but I value it. Yeah, but you've got, he's got to value it. Do you understand that God loves you enough to say no? You can't have that because if I gave you that, you would get prideful and leave me? Amen, amen? That's why some of us are never going to have much because he knows us and he knows if we did. Do you remember how, how he talked about how hard it is for, for uh, a rich man to enter into heaven? The reason he said it was hard is because it's hard, okay? So he, he, he doesn't allow things to flow into our life sometimes because he knows what the reaction of that would be from us. So you know what we need to do about that? We need to go, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us that much, okay? All right. Um, what he wants us to do is internalize his concern and internalize the things he's passionate about and he's concerned about. Let me give you a scripture that you know, but I hope you'll look at, look at it today in a new light. I'm almost done. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Look what it says. Look what it says. This is Jesus talking. Let me carry that enough. This is Jesus talking to us right here at Whitley Church. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Can I ask you a question? What are most people worried about? That. Food, drink, and clothing. They're worried about materialism. I wish to goodness people would get as ripped apart about losing their intimacy with Jesus as they get about losing their job. If you cared as much about drifting away from Jesus and losing the intimacy with him as you get tore up about losing temporary things in this world, you would have a relationship with Jesus beyond anything you've ever had before. If, you, if, that, if that was what you valued most. Anybody listening to me? Look at the next verse, verse 32. Why be like the pagans or the unbelievers who are so deeply concerned about those temporary things? Why? He's talking to his children. He says, why are you all like them? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now look at verse 33. Here it is. And he will give you all you need from day to day. If, 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 if. Every promise of God has a condition on it. He will give you everything you need if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary. See, when our concerns are his concerns, then all this material stuff, it just flows into our life. He says, he says in the King James, it's like this. He says, just seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. They'll be added to you. Amen, amen. That's good stuff right there. None of us prays perfectly. None of us prays perfectly as Jesus' representative, but the better we know him, the more we're able to pray in his name. Let me just give you three scriptures very quickly. The idea of acting in Jesus' name is found in the New Testament, not only in the Gospels, but also look at Paul's writings, Colossians 3.17. Look what he says. And whatever you do in word or deed, 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now look at Paul's word as he talks about authority, praying with Jesus' authority. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they receive from us. Now that last part is a whole bunch of other teaching, but what he's saying there is he is is really wanting to nail this down, and he says, in the name of Jesus, don't hang around people who are going to lead you down a path of idleness. So he uses that phrase, in the name of Jesus, to put authority with what he's saying. Then in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 6, you remember when Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they're coming into the, to the temple to pray. They go by the gate beautiful, the crippled man's there, and Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not for my glory, it is not me, but in his name, stand up and walk. Peter was saying there that I have no authority to heal in my name, but I function under authority. You military people know, if you don't submit to authority, then you lose your authority. If you don't submit to the person over you, you lose authority of those under you, uh, 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 the authority you have over those under you. Amen, amen? So important, so important, such a great principle there. Okay. I love you guys. I thank you so much for hanging in there with me, but don't leave yet. I I just want to, let's wrap it up. Prayers that have a chance of being answered must go through the Son to the Father. You must be obedient as a disciple of Jesus to get your prayers answered. You must pray in his authority. That means has he approved it? And then you come to the Father in the righteousness of the Son. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a prayer. And uh, if you're a first-time guest today, we have a gift for you right back here. Get it before you go home. You dads, don't forget to pick up your DVD gift. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray over you right now as a congregation. But then I want my prayer team to come, and I want my staff who are available. I want them to come, and we're going to pray for anybody this morning who would like prayer. Okay? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your teaching today, God. Thank you for enlightening us and giving us the ability to communicate your truth today through music and video and song and through personal testimony. Father, um, I have explained this, I'm sure not perfectly, but Lord, I've tried to bring this in a way that honors you today. And I pray that as people uh, um, think about this, as they process this teaching, Lord, that we will move to new levels in our relationship with you and that our prayer life will move to new levels. And, and, and quite frankly, Lord, one of the biggest problems we have here at Whitley Church, as is in every church, is we have a whole bunch of Christians who are not praying. They're not praying. And I'm not going to play around with that and fiddle around with that. It's just the truth. We, we usually don't pray unless we've got trouble. And we ask you to forgive us for that. And we ask you to help us to develop a consistent prayer life no matter what the circumstances of our life are. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for staying and and letting me preach long today. God bless you.